right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. All right, quickly, let's take our declaration. If you believe that the Lord will speak to you today, all right, declare as follows. One, two, let's go. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. That is what God will do for you again today. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. every confusion will be removed Amen. and every remnant of every affliction will be wiped out Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's take our seats. Now, what I want to do um, today, today, of course, today is Tuesday, is our school of prayer. And uh, what I feel we should do again, all right, is to... I think maybe I'm just in the foundation mood or mood for this time. Let's lay some foundations. So I guess I'm in the foundation mood. I want us to lay foundations again concerning our Christian walk. And what I want to teach from today is titled Prayer Basics. All right? Prayer Basics. Prayer Basics. How does prayer work? Just to remind us of some things that we may know. Peter said, even though I know you know them. I will not neglect to remind you of them. And that's what I want to do. Jesus said, let's start with that. Luke chapter 18. I want to just remind us because sometimes prayer is undermined and is constantly under attack um, from the world. And many times Christians neglect to attend to prayer because they do not understand the power of God. Yes, oftentimes we forget what the power of God really is like. So you hear statements like, we have prayed enough. That thing should never be said. Even if you feel like more should be added or we have other things to do. For example, somebody sits at home and uh, maybe is praying for money and the spirit says, I want you to go and walk somewhere. Yes, it's right to tell the person, now get up and go and walk, but don't say you have prayed enough. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, because I think that we often say that most times we say it, we are denying the power of prayer. We are actually saying prayer does not work. Do you follow my point? Yes. You know, what people do a lot of times, if I, I, there's a preacher I heard say this, and I was shocked. He has a title, Bishop, okay? And I was pretty disappointed, and I heard him say it two different times. One, he said it directly. He said, prayer is not in the success equation. I don't know how you want to rationalize it. I heard him explain what he was saying, but I see how to disagree. That how can you say that? How on earth can you be a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ and you can utter such a statement from your mouth that prayer is not in the success equation? Sometimes people talk, I just feel like you don't know life. Life never jam you rich. No, no, no. no. <laughs> There's one quotation I heard recently. And I quote once in a while, I heard it from Demon John watching Shark Tank. He said, everybody has a plan until he's punched in the face. 
that like this. <laughs> you know who made that statement? Iron Mike Tyson. Tyson said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. You get into the ring, round one, I'm going to do the round one. You plan everything. You and your coach, you plan. In the first 15 seconds, Evander Olivier will hit you and will be like a luo. What do they call a luo? Go and Google it up. <laughs> okay, just for <laughs> so you'll understand. You know, your Obama doesn't do anything with natural power. He doesn't understand. The way Western man, before, I don't know about Eastern people, though, before Western Nigeria, everything must be fortified. When he wants to go and fight, he even has something. So there's one they call Aluwo that he could just punch you small, you must fall down. <laughs> Literally means hit him, he will fall. So you see, so when we're young, those days, when you see want to fight, check whether he has a ring. If he has a ring, don't fight him. I don't know whether he's true or false, but I just believe that. You just use small slap like this, you just fall across the room. <laughs> so my, my Tyson said, look, life will hit you one. Eh? All your plans, you will forget them instantly. People want to make, look, make it look as if planning is what gives success. It's not true. It cannot possibly be. Anybody, you know, I said once, one man was giving plans and giving plans, giving plans. I turned to one of his friends, our brother here. I said, which business does he run? He said, he helps people plan business. I said, it's obvious. When I saw the amount of plans he had, and how he had an answer for every difficult situation, at his young age, I looked at him and said, this guy has not done business. He knows too much. If he has done it, he will know that this thing is not as easy as I'm saying it. You know, they taught us those things, you know, when we're doing our specialist training, that the younger pathologists are the ones that make diagnosis quickest. Not because they are brilliant, but because they are stupid. You ask them, this person died. What was the reason? They go in, 30 minutes, they are out, they made up their mind. But get one that has been doing the job for 25 years. Two hours later, he's not sure yet. Three hours later, he's not sure yet. You know why? He knows so much. He knows these things don't work the way that small boy thinks they do. He will sit there. He will ask questions. He will go left. He will go right. You tell him, what kind of tumor is this one? He, with all his experience, by virtue of experience, he knows this is what it is. But there are 10 other things that look like this. Then it takes time out to rule out each of the nine other. But the small boy just bounces in with his sharp suit. Looks down. In 15 seconds, he has a diagnosis. Are you the man? This guy is sharp. No, he's stupid. He doesn't have enough experience with life. So he's very confident. I found out recently that there's a, there's a saying in psychology, you know, people have analyzed it. That the most ignorant people are the most confident. Yes, that they consistently, severely overrate themselves. That in fact, the very good ones generally are the ones that tend to have so much doubt. I said this in the Bible. Let another praise you, not your own lips. Now I'm trying to make a point here. So when somebody tells me prayer is not the success equation, I wonder, what are you talking about? Maybe you have not understood success yet. There is no way you can plan it. That's why I'm reminding Christians again, nobody should even make you fall for that temptation to say we have prayed enough. Of course, I can't help it. I won't even try to help it because we have to speak into contemporary things, things that are happening. The election is coming up. They say the church has prayed enough. It's time to get up. Please, you can get up all you like, but you have not prayed enough. 
If you want to win, as you are going into battle, you send praisers ahead. Do you get my point? You have to recognize that I'm going to fight. No, the mistake people make is that they think that people who pray are lazy. They think that you pray because you don't know, you, you can't walk, you can't get up and plan, you can't get up and fight. No, you have understood. He said, look, he told his brother, do your best, I will do my best. May the Lord do that which is pleasing in his sight. These guys were seasoned warriors. All they did every day was fight. They knew how to fight. You know, just, I like to digress once in a while, just small, small gist. You know, one day I was thinking about how, how terrible those guys were in war. Abner, the chief of Saul's army, the day, what's the name of Joab's little brother? Asahel. Asahel was very sweet-footed, the Bible said, like a gazelle. He could run and not get tired. Asahel wanted, he wanted a good one for himself. So he decided to pursue after Abner. Abner saw him from his rearview mirror, if I may use that expression. He looked, he said, Asahel, is that you? Now Asahel was a general. He was Joab's younger brother. He knew how to fight. So he wanted to show that man, me, self, I've joined the big leagues. He pursued after Abner. Abner said, please, please, please. Oh boy, if it's fight you're looking for, I'm not your mate. That's where I'm going. But how good those guys are. I'm your elder brother's mate, Joab. He said, how will I look him in the face and tell him I'm the one that killed you? So he said, please, if you want to fight, turn to your left or your right. Meet one of those men. Fight and collect their armor. Then you've won, battle, you've won something. As I said, no. Now, that's not the gist. The gist was that Abner didn't turn back to fight him. He turned back, did like this man died. He, did, he didn't turn back, he didn't stop to fight as a hell. He just allowed him to keep charging. He turned his, his spear, the back of his spear, he, he, he just slowed down. That guy ran into it, his stomach burst open. He continued moving. He said, I want you. Now, this is where I'm going. This was a top fighter. A senior fighter didn't stop to fight, he, used, he didn't look back. Maybe you don't read your story. He used the back of his spear to kill Asahel. I'm the one just reasoning that. He just calculated something for him. He hit the brake on his chariot. The man launched forward. Boom, he ran into the back of um, Abner's spear. That's how good those men were, were in battle. Yet the same men, one of them, Joab, he said, he said to, because two of his brothers were in the army, Abishai, the other one, right? Yeah, he said to him, look, you hold this army. I hold this one. Face these guys. Face these guys. Let's do our best. And may the Lord do that which is pleasing in his sight. He knew that victory was not with them. It's the reason why I believe he did not want to number Israel. Because he understood that, look, if God doesn't give us victory, that is our fight. it doesn't amount to anything. How did he know? David taught them early. How did David know? Samuel taught him early. I just know, I just like that small part of the story to let me. Those guys were, you know, when somebody bad, you know, we say bad. They were. Yeah, they recognized the hand of God. David was as bad as all of them after, after, after some time. And he made it clear, he said, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. Why? Because the Lord taught my hand to it. It was the Lord. It was not like that until he was anointed. Please, I hope you're following my point here. Please, nobody should ever say to you. That we are prayed enough. It's a horrible statement. I hear it a lot of times. They will try and explain that what they mean 
is that please, Christians just like to pray. I said no. That's why I told the story of Abishai, of Joab and Abner. Those people were not lazy, but they knew that if God doesn't give you victory, you're on your own. You're getting my point. They knew it. They were not lazy. Christians are not lazy people. In fact, the more you pray, the harder you are at working. And those who say they are not praying, they are not working, they are just praying. They are not praying. Most of the time, they are not praying. Most of the time, they are not praying. I didn't say all the time. I said most of the time. As if people are just irresponsible, they use prayer for cover up. They are not responsible, but they use prayer to cover. They are not really praying. They are using prayer to cover. A lot of people, you know, laziness, they say they are in full-time ministry. They now make those who are really in full-time ministry look like they are lazy. The reason why they are in the full-time ministry is because they can't do anything. So and nobody will ask them questions. You know, a lot of us will say, what are you, I'm pastor this. Once you say pastor, everybody will now look at you and say, he's serving God. So you get there, you now find, because in Nigeria there's no regulation. I'm not saying they should be on, like your friend who said they should regulate us. They should please not regulate to be terrible. <laughs> So people hide. They hide. They now give a bad name to the real thing. What am I trying to say? True workers, hard workers, true believers, they can't stop praying. Why? Luke chapter 18 again. Let's read it. We can never stop reading it. In fact, it's like the foundation for all these our teachings here. The book of Luke chapter 18. It said in verse 1, Now I was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? They are supposed to cry day and night. You see that? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That is, what delays? Now, later on, we are going to read further down about the two men who went up to pray. Because Jesus talked about the importance of prayer. They're not talking about the approach to prayer. We're not talking about the approach yet. I just want to explain something about the importance. Now, he said, in fact, three things here. Because at the bottom here, he says a key to whether they will get the answer or not is whether faith is still found on the earth. Now, we're going to talk about that as we go on. Now, why I read this is to bring out the fact again that Jesus said men ought to pray. I like the way King James says it there. How did he say it? Men ought, how? Always. I like that expression. He said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's King James in that verse 1. The aim of this parable is to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to get tired of praying. Now, what is prayer? First, we have established from here, it is supposed to be something you do how often? Always. You never get tired of it. The song we used to sing, prayer is the key and prayer is the master key. He says that Jesus started with what? With prayer and ended with prayer. It's not a lie. On the cross, what did he do? What's the last thing he said? Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. That will help me define what prayer is. That was the last thing he did. He prayed. 
How did he start? When he came for baptism. The Bible says that after he was baptized and he was what? Praying. Go and read it. He was praying. So Jesus started literally. So that song is not just Sunday school, right? It's actually in scripture. Jesus started with prayer and ended with prayer. We can also quickly fill it in. He started with prayer, continued with prayer, and ended with prayer. Therefore, we understand that prayer is the master key. And any time you stop praying, you start failing. What did I say? No, say it loud. You start failing. Anytime you stop praying, you start failing. The beginning of failure is when you think that prayer is no longer necessary. When you get to the point where you say this does not require prayer, do you get my point? Then you have begun to fail. Failure has been introduced. You prayed and prayed, God supplied your needs. There are points came in which you have money flowing. You say, no, I don't need to pray about my needs anymore. Then you have begun to fail. I hope you're getting my point. Let me give you an example, something God helped me with. Long ago, I stumbled a particular scripture in Isaiah chapter 66. He said, Behold, I will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Do you know, till now, now I, I, I read that scripture before I even knew my wife had been born. <laughs> what I mean, I had not met my wife. So I know I read that scripture less than 25 years ago. It's been a while. All right? Till now. If somebody says, maybe if I get home, my wife says, ah, take somebody says I should give it to you, that you have been a blessing and it's 500 naira. I will collect it. And I will say, thank you, Lord. You cause prosperity to flow towards me like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. I don't believe any money that comes to me is an accident. If I sit down now and they say, ah, they drew your name. Now, this is not likely to happen. So before you go and start saying, if I, let me not give us an example. I want to say that they threw your name randomly into lottery. But some Christians will now say, Pastor Bank, say it happens. Leave that in. What did I say? Leave that in. You're sitting in your house. You just get an email. Bam! You have won $100,000. How can you win $100,000 in a game you did not play? Are you normal? No, so don't let me know you as an example. Because some people now hold on to it. Someone now send them an email that you have won $100,000. Hey, just what Pastor Bank was saying last week. It has not happened to me. Praise God. If you get that email, it's a scam. Mm-hmm. Now, major scam. <laughs> what did I call it? Uh-huh. So, let's leave that in. I don't want to even use that one as an example at all. Let us assume. Let me look for, oh, look for something else that's more likely, that's more practical. Okay, I don't even know which one to use now. <laughs> okay, let us just assume one day, God just blessed me one way or the other. All right? And he says that... Um, the money I'm giving you now is a million US dollars. You know, that's a lot of money in Nigeria of today. Cash or no cash, you are still... <laughs> it's heavy. You can get things done. Do you understand? <laughs> now, this point I'm making. If that money were to come, 500 naira, now 700 and something million naira, that's a world of difference, the reaction will still be the same. Father, I thank you. Because you cause prosperity to flow towards me like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. Now, sometimes I forget. When I forget, of course, I remember after a while. When I remember, I quickly remind myself. Banky, don't forget this thing. Don't forget it. Now, for the first few years, there was not much flowing. Do you follow my point? There was a time I actually told the Lord, it's supposed to flow like a river now. I mean, this is trickling like dripping, you know, like leaking roof. (laughs) You understand? But then, 
I kept on believing the same thing. Now, if I wake up next morning and say that, okay, Bill Gates left all his inheritance to me, I still will not change that word. Behold, I cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river, and the wealth of the nations like an overflowing stream. The moment you stop praying, you have activated the failure process. And one of the temptations of life is to make you stop praying. There are two different ways Satan does it, and the world does it. One method is to make you look like things are not working. The second method, that is whether you pray or not, they are not working. The second method is to make you look that they are working, whether you pray or not. I hope you're getting my, my point. In one, the answer is delayed. In the other, the answer is so quick, you wonder, do we need to pray? You know, God has been very kind to me in my life. Ah, he's very, very, very kind. Oh, he's been very kind. He's been very kind. Every time in my life, I've opened my mouth. Sometimes I just want to make a point to somebody. That is not a matter of prayer. No, let me just explain. I'm, I'm not saying I'll pray. I'm, once I say it like that, now, I don't, I don't mean when I'm bragging about victory I have in Christ. Like, if you hear me say that, I will never go and pray about a witch. Do you get my point? I'm, I don't consider your threat or what be. That's, not what I, that's a different matter. Okay? I'm talking about I can do this thing. <laughs> These are things we can do. We don't need to pray about them. Every time I've said things like that, every single time in this my life, God has reminded me that I shouldn't say it again. If I don't quickly repent, he makes me fail in a simple thing. Maybe they say write A, B, C, D quickly. Write A, B, C to Z in one minute. Brethren, I can do that. It appears like. Just write it, stop talking. If I say these are things we can write, we don't even need to pray. Once I say it, I will write A, B, C. When I reach K, one B, you know B, when they call B. Okay, A was. We just come in. We sting you. You will scream. The hand will swell. You will forget to write. Then three minutes will pass. You are still looking for sorrow to put on top of the place. No, you don't know what they call sorrow. Put on top of the place where something just stung you now. And I've learned early in my life that you just told the Lord, you don't need prayer to be able to write A to Z. There's a way you say it. It's an arrogance of, no, no, this is too simple. I don't need the Lord for it. I hope you're getting my point. So now if you tell me, can you write A to Z in one minute? You know what I'll say to you? Ah, by the grace of God now. Do you follow my point? I say, ah, no, no, God has been good to me. This is not a small thing. I must give that glory to God. I must activate his ability. If I ever want to convince myself one word or the other, if I ever express, it's worse when you express it. That no, no this is for us. There, there are more difficult things for God to do. No. If I... <laughs> No, let me not say something. It will make you laugh. But let me tell you one that won't make you laugh too much. But you, you understand. If I drink water, and then the water goes down, and it settles, you know this kind of, you drink cool water. Not very cold, just cool. And then you feel the coolness spread all over your intestine. Do you get that feeling once in a while? Because you are very hot. I still thank God for it. No, I always thank God for it. There are people who drank water like that, and they bury them the day, the day after. And the only thing they did was drink water. They didn't do any other thing. Though. They just drank water. Say, Pastor, what happened? I don't know. Maybe while they were drinking the water, then that bee, remember that bee? He stung them by the back of the neck. <laughs> and then that made them jump. And then they inhaled a huge chunk of the water. And if we knew what was happening, somebody gave them more water to drink. <laughs> and they ate some more. And then the guy asphyxiates and he dies. So I don't think that for me is not a light thing. And I can remind us a lot of times. Have you ever considered that Jesus never ate without giving thanks? He never did. 
And I think that's a sign for all of us. As mundane as he appeared, yet Jesus will take food and give thanks. It's not about he's trying to multiply it. The last supper wasn't multiplying anything. After he had given things. And you see, another thing is that the Bible was always careful to remind us that he gave thanks. The Bible was all, is always careful, or was always careful to remind us that he gave thanks. He would say that was what happened after, remember the time he fed 5,000 after he gave thanks. Do you get my point? That is, there was something striking about it. That every time he ate, they reminded us that hey, this man did not used to eat without giving thanks. He didn't used to share food without giving thanks. What am I going to emphasize? See, nobody, for any reason, no matter how trivial it is, should take prayer from your mouth. And so make it look like you now you can, this one is not time for prayer now. You can do it. Even if you can do it, you still do it with prayer. Because there are different types of prayer. Thanksgiving is a form of prayer. Surrendering yourself to the Lord with your mouth is a form of prayer. In, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. And I'm going to talk about the definition of prayer because you know, we are doing prayer basics. First thing I've said is that please, prayer is a constant thing. Christians must never outgrow it, must never get to a point in time in their lives in which they think it is unnecessary. No, it must never happen. If they carry you with your PhD in mathematics, say, come and solve this 2 plus 2 for us. Still remember to give thanks. If you got it right, 2 plus 2 equal to 4. And they say, wow, you are very brilliant. Remember to say, ah, it's God's grace. I give him thanks. Brethren is very crucial. Never, for any reason, at any point in time, forget the role of prayer in your life. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Now, listen to this. Again, when I say I can't help it, I'll digress into it once in a while. They say to us in Nigeria of today, what's your power? You know, we are electing a new president in 10 days' time, thereabout. All right? 11 days, yeah, thereabout, okay. So what do they keep telling us? What is the lie, the idolatry that they keep preaching to us? Your power is in what? Your PVC or your vote. Your vote is your power. Your vote is your power. Your vote, your PVC, of course, PVC voting, the same thing. PVC being your permanent voter's card. So that is your power. Brethren, please never say amen to that. Never agree with it. Never believe it. It is a lie of the devil. Your vote is not your power. Let's say it again for the record. That's not to say we are not supposed to vote. What we are just saying that is not what? Our power. What is it to us? It's a duty. Thank you. It's a civic responsibility. It's a civic duty. It's something we do because we are citizens. The same way we pay taxes. The same way we obey the laws. It is demanded of adults, all right, above the age of 18, to participate in the voting process. And so we will. It is not our power. There's an old saying we have in which we are told what? One with God is who? One with God is what? One with God is what? You want to know the truth? It's still like that till today. If God casts a vote, that's 100 million votes. Do you get my point? If all the voters in Nigeria, maybe how many are we? All the registered voters. Is it 70 something million or 60 something? I mean? 96 million. Uh, then our population is 250 million. 
Okay, let's assume everybody, all the votes in Nigeria, 96 million votes. God's vote alone is 97 million. And God has the 97 million spread across all constituencies in Nigeria. More than 25% in everyone. That is any time he votes, that person has won. I hope you're getting my point. How do you want to contest against somebody that has 100 million votes when the rest of you have only 96 million votes? And the rest of you will not vote for the same person anyway. It is an idolatrous statement to say your vote is your power. You know what to know, you know what to, you want to know what your power is or where your power is? Your power is in the place of prayer. Why? Because once he has spoken, twice have I heard this, that the power belongs to God. So what I can convince him to do is what matters. What we can convince him to do is what matters. And I will see as we go on, prayer has rules. Prayer has rules. Especially when many people are involved, prayer has rules. And so you must learn. Again, please, I know, it's, of course, it's always relevant. It's re- always relevant. I wrote a little book, Let Us Agree, specifically about this election. If you go and read it, I explained what you can ask God for. Because when many people are involved in a thing, agreement amongst the people that matter is very important to God. When I say amongst people that matter, there can be 50 million of us. They are the people that God will call his own. They are those he has chosen. They are the remnants he's counting. They are the salt of the earth he's counting. There are people that he doesn't consider fools. But people who know they are left from their right, who he listens to. Out of that 50, 50 million, they may just be half a million. They may just be 250,000. For him, it is important that those people are in agreement when they come to him in prayer. It's very crucial for him that those people are in agreement. I explained in the book, for example, if you're in the house, husband and wife, please try and be in agreement all the time. An agreement is very, very easy to score 100% of the times if you're a couple. So how do you do it? It's not negotiation. You see what I said? Agreement is not negotiation between a couple. It's not negotiation. How do you come to agreement amongst a couple? Who can tell me? There's one word. It's in scripture. Somebody wants to say agreement. <laughs> it is submission. Thank you. you. The key to agreement in a home is submission. The key to agreement in an office is submission. When you have a small group of people, the key to agreement is submission. It's not negotiation. It's submission. To make submission easy, God has put an order in place. He has put an order in place. One example I never can forget. My alumni fellowship, God has blessed us over the years. Many years ago, we arrived for our convention. And our president at that time put a new rule in place that people should pay a certain amount of money unilaterally. He did not discover the exco. He put a rule in place that everybody that arriving should pay a certain amount of money, like convention dues. We arrived, we were shocked. So, of course, as soon as we arrived, the rest of us, who, I don't know whether that was in the ESCO, but I was only very closely applied to the ESCO, all right? I went for that meeting. So, the ESCO quickly called the meeting, and I was in there. I think I had a small office. Maybe I was assistant secretary or something. So, we began to discuss, and we talked for a long time. The first night we finished late. We all entered one hotel room. We really rent a hotel. 
And then we began to talk. This person will speak. This person will speak. I spoke. I was among those who spoke. Saying that, no, this is not the way we operate. We don't charge. We don't put levies. We don't have convention dues. People just give as they are led. We talked up and down. I don't think we spoke for less than an hour and a half. Finally, one of our brothers said, look, we have spoken enough. He said, he called the name of the president. He said, sir, you are the president. What's your final word? I never forgot that thing. He said, we have spoken at length. We have said everything we have to say. But you are the president. What is your final word? He said, the deuce stay. And he said, thank you, sir. No animosity, nothing. Oh, I remember very well. We all just left the place. Say, our guy said, pay deuce. You know the truth? There was no murmuring. We did not murmur. Nobody went ahead. What kind of thing is this one? They were, we have to recognize each other. I'm not a child care. I'm not a In fact, I remember the person who said that. I think at that point he was the vice president. If I remember well, the man who spoke. I said, the president, sir, you are the boss. We have spoken at length. We don't have, and he didn't agree with him for information. He was on my side. See, let me tell you the truth. Eh? That day, Oga was alone. There were three groups of people there. The man, Oga Pata Pata, Oga the top, president. He was all alone. Then there were some vocal people like me, the vice president, who said, no, it shouldn't go that way. And then the rest were silent. We don't even know what they were thinking. <laughs> Those were the three groups. So you can see, really, that man didn't have any vocal person on his side. But the vice president, after we had spoken for at length, over an hour, maybe like an hour and a half, he said, oh, we have spoken at length. We can't continue to talk. We have made all our points. What I remember is the way he said, you are the president. What's your final word? And the, one in the, the man in effect said, I've heard everything people say. Said, they had to say, I not agree. And we left the place. Please, let me just beg all of you. That's how to handle life. No, you leave the place. Go and say, I don't understand my husband. He never seems to remember. In fact, that's the problem I have with him. When this thing backfires now, it's on my head, it will fall. It will fall on your head. Just watch, it's going to backfire number one. And it will surely land on your head. On Saturdays, please don't miss any of this Saturday. I'm talking about faith. You have to learn how to activate things by faith. So that even things that are not decreed in your favor will work in your favor. That's what faith does. So God has rules. So that's why I said the key to agreement. When prayer involves many of us, God says, hey, if two of you shall agree as touching anything, there must be agreement. A husband cannot be praying, Lord, I want my children to become uh, astronauts. The wife is praying, I want for my children to be uh, you know, um, ministers of the gospel. It doesn't work like that. The key to agreement is submission. But the most important submission, all right, both of you, first, you can't, look, you have to go and submit to the will of God first. And what is the will of God? You don't have to know the specific will. Just know, for example, that God has a plan. For these children, he had a plan for them before they were born. Both of you submit to that. Do you get my point? You don't have to know. It's just Lord, though. You know, say, I like this astronaut thing. It excites me. My wife thinks that uh, they should be ministers. Well, it doesn't matter. Whichever one you say, you said from the beginning, before they were born, you knew them, you consecrated them. There's something you wanted them to do. We release them in the name of Jesus. That's the, that's the most powerful agreement. 
I hope you're getting my point. Please, you can read more about the, in that little book, which you can easily download from our website, pastor.ng. Go to the book section and you see it. Let us agree. Download it. It was written late last year, primarily with this election coming up in about a week in mind to help Christians. Because right now, I say it again, Christians are trying to spoil it, but God will not let it happen in Jesus' name. God will not let that happen. All right? God will not let that happen. So, prayer, I'm emphasizing to us again, is a continuous thing. There's never a time you don't need the power of God in your life and it is activated by prayer. A question I should ask again, what exactly is prayer? Until a few weeks ago, actually, yeah, a few weeks ago, I couldn't define prayer properly. And, yeah, a few weeks ago, <laughs> you're surprised. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I used to long prayer with a lot of other things that seem spiritual. They look at spiritual activity. But then, I was walking across my bedroom one day, and I paused. Now I look back, must have been the Holy Spirit. And it hit me, that Banky, you are lumping too many things together with prayer. For that reason, you misinterpret what the word of God is saying. So when they say men ought always to pray and not to get tired of praying, you end up doing a little bit of praying and doing so much other things and you think you have been praying because they are all good. Let me give an example. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That's confession also. Okay? It's good. It's very good. It's something we must engage in. Next question. Is that prayer? Until a few weeks ago, my answer would have been yes. A few weeks ago, it dawned on me that is not prayer. It's a prayer-like activity. It's a good spiritual exercise. Reading your Bible, is it prayer? No, see, don't worry. It's not a catch. You, just, you didn't think about it before, maybe. Now I've made you think about it. When you're reading your Bible, is it prayer? Is it very good? Is it very, with a very, very, very good? Should you continue it? Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. This book of the law. I mean, it's there. It's scripture. But is it prayer? No. It's not prayer. That's why this confession of the word also, as good as it is, is not prayer. Question, therefore, is what then is prayer? It is simple. It is direct. What is prayer? It is talking to God the Father. That's all. That's what prayer is. Prayer is not listening to God the Father. That's not prayer. He's not praying to you. Prayer is you open your mouth and you offer your words to the Father. And I'll add, and to the Son, because he has given that same glory to the Son. But fundamentally, prayer is talking to God. That's what prayer is. Fundamentally, prayer is talking to God, offering your words to him. Why? You say, are you going to do that always? Yes. That's exactly what he expects. Why do we have to pray in that regard? There are different kinds of prayer. There are different types. I'm not talking about that now. Just on the, we'll get there, of course, because we're talking about prayer basics. There are different types of prayer. But the reason why you have to talk to God is simple. It is because he placed an order in place. This was what happened. In the beginning, we all know it. Okay, don't have to go there now. We're not doing Bible study, 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 like line by line, but we'll quote it. Read Genesis. God gave man authority over the earth. You understand that? Did he not? Yes. He put him in charge. And David now said to us later, he said, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord. But what happens? The earth he has given. So that is prophesied for us clearly. That the heavens are the heavens of the Lord. 
but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So we know that indeed, that's in Psalm 115 verse 16, I just quoted, all right? We know that indeed God gave us the authority. Now please let me clarify some things for us who have studied in a particular manner. I learned that as a young Christian on campus studying the word of faith. We were told, but I've had to correct it over time. We were told that when Adam fell, he sold the authority, the lease over the earth to the devil. All right? It's not exactly accurate. Mm. So people now say, for that reason, Satan has been ruling since that time. I can prove to you that that's not likely to be correct. For example, you read through the scriptures, the Bible never inferred it. Then number two, can you make that statement when David was king in Israel? Do you follow my point? Satan has always been present. But he has always been doing something every time. And that is to make you and me disobey. He wants me and you to disobey and follow him. The Bible makes it clear. The earth is a Lord's. And the fullness thereof. The world and all those that dwell in it. The lease was not handed. Let me put it this way. Adam never did it. Could not have done it. What did he do? He gave authority over his life. And each generation, that's what God, you have have to understand. Everything done in one generation has to be enacted in the next for it to remain. What do I mean? God made a covenant with Abraham. Truffles. And what was the sign of that covenant? Okay, circumcision. But then, like I say all the time, the circumcision of Abraham was only half, maybe not up to half. The circumcision of Isaac was a real sign that Abraham entered into that covenant. And after, now, so Isaac was, Abraham had a covenant, all right? Isaac was brought in as a little child through circumcision. But think about it. How can you enter a covenant when you are eight days old? Did you enter from your mother's womb? Do you explain things to children at the age of eight? Do you want to have a relationship with Jehovah God of Israel? No. Already the little guy knows is where where's the position of the milk. And if he has a concern, you know it's a bit painful. But you can make him stop shouting, give him the milk. What am I going to say? The circumcision on Isaac is not a sign of Isaac's relationship with God. It's a sign of his father's relationship with God. So what God does is that we'll be managing. This, this, this is how the life is. Eh? When the bomb picking, is it okay for me to pick in pitch when I'm preaching? Those people in Denmark, how would they understand? They should go to Google. Okay, thank you. Google interprets for them, translate. Okay, good. So me will talk our small English. Join your bag. Ah. But did you know the sweet finish? If you know, add small. You know, you get my point. Thank you. It's called what? Local content. Amen. I'm using only American English alone. Thank you. Now, so Abraham, so, okay, I'm talking about Isaac. I was about to tell you something. That who is woman born picking? The first six months, you know what the picking is using for immunity? No, no. The immunity he took from the mother. The mother passes a huge chunk of immunity across the placenta. That is why it's very unusual, generally, 
Babies don't get malaria before the age of six months. Go and check it. Mothers, you will know. You hardly have to treat malaria in babies. before. Now, once in a while, it happens. So, once in a while. But generally, they don't. Why? They are, they've been using the mother's fight. It's the reason why when you want to immunize a baby against tetanus, which is a problem for newborn babies, especially if they are not well, they are not born in a very clean environment, they can get baby tetanus. You can make that never happen. It's simple. Give the mother shots against tetanus. She packs enough tetanus protection into the baby. The baby lives for the first few months with, that, with no risk. But then you have to now, now that's where I'm going. So when you are born into a covenant, for the first few months or maybe years of life, you are enjoying what? The protection of the father. God allows it like that. Then a time comes, he starts making a demand of you to enter into the covenant. And the sign for Isaac was when Jacob and Esau were born. When he circumcised those ones, he made it clear that he's in that covenant. That he's been in this covenant he was introduced to it by his father, but now I've been confirmed. You know, Orthodox churches call it what? Confirmation. You are confirmed now as a member of this cult. <laughs> Do you get my point? Yes, they always have a way. Every, even physical society, they have a way by which you have to enter by yourself after a while. You can't just depend on the connection through your father. That's the way it works. In Christianity, it's like that too. That was what happened when God almost killed Moses. If you go and read that Exodus chapter 4, it was because Moses refused or neglected, maybe because of the pressure from his wife, but she, he neglected to circumcise his son. And that's why, believers, please, what you do with your children is very important. I see people laboring, laboring, laboring every day, but they labor so as to make their children not have to work for God. They tell you Nigeria is hard, so they will work hard, then carry the children and go and hide them where they will not suffer for Christ. You inactivate all your suffering for him. You have to tell your children, in this family will they die for Jesus. You have to tell them, as they are going to church, as you are going to church, you will flog them to go to church. If they not agree, go. You will use prayer. Now let me tell you something that will shock you. Don't do this though. Hmm? But under the old covenant, it said the son will not agree, stone him to death. So you bring to the center of the village, call all the elders. Your hand will be the first against him. Don't stone your child that doesn't go to church. Are you, are you, but you get the logic. Yes, yes. So I'm always one kind when people don't seem to be concerned. They will labor for Christ. They will sacrifice for Jesus, for God. They will take anything for God. But that their child don't touch him. They will hide him where country is safe and there's no problem. Even though his faith is at risk, it does not matter. Please don't inactivate all the blessing God has blessed you in life. Tell the children, we are slaves and messengers and children at the same time of God. We, we, we don't belong to ourselves. See this place where I the labor. When I finish laboring, you will continue. You will, you will continue. You will continue. You will continue. Hunger will beat you. You know, in our family, hunger, we pass through hunger at certain stages in life. It makes us tough. That's not supposed to be a joke. Don't try and shield him from every problem in life. When he leaves school, he can't find work. Don't be calling everybody. Say, go and write an application to go and queue up. When there's no work, go and wash car in that car wash. What is it? Your father is the only one that has money. 
Let him call you one day, sir, that daddy I was in your friend's office today. He gave me a job, a job as a personal assistant to his secretary. Say, oh, you didn't tell me you were going there. <laughs> if I tell you now, that will be the end of it. So it's good I didn't tell you. They say, oh, that's very good. And that's not the joke. It's very good. He has learned to take the initiative. And let him use that little money they are paying to transport himself. And when there's no cash, let him trek. Or when you are going, give him small lift. Halfway, oh boy, drop here. You can walk down near heaven, can't you? So that is no problem. One day I was, I was driving down home. I saw my son in front. Oh boy, see suffering. He dropped at, uh, maybe that's where his money finished. He dropped at uh, Artisan. He now tra- was trekking to the end of that our road, you know, the Goshen. Before he would turn, he kept eating the sun. He was walking and walking. So I laughed. I told my wife, I'm not stopping. She said, why not? I said, nobody stopped for me when I was his age. <laughs> I said, I'm going to drive past him. No, Jesus said that. He was going to walk past them. That I want the water. I said, I'm driving past him. His mother said, no, you can't do that. I said, why can't I do that? He's not going to die, you know. He said, ah, my husband. Now got to where he was. Now, ah! Tika was so relieved. Opened the door, carried his sweaty body into my clean air-conditioned car. I had to blow the air down when he came down later. You know me, I don't sweat, I don't smell of sweat, I just, just so blessed. <laughs> I told my wife that day, I said, it's good. It's good for a young man to bear his body in the days of his youth. Let him trek. Let him trek. I wore his slippers the other day by mistake. I saw my leg bend like this. <laughs> you don't chop for this side, chop for this side. Go and check. My shoes know they chop. My slippers know they chop. No, you will never see shoe I wore. For organizer, they lie, lie. From, from the time I start wearing shoes, like, did I retire them? The soles are flat. It's called prosperity. <laughs> the Lord is good. So what I'm going to say is that, so you see, hey, I've left my mentor in a, in a natural like Jesus. <laughs> so it's just a warning for people, all right? It's important. If you want the blessing of God in your life, all right, to persist, to be, and what God does, he amplifies this every generation. If you don't let this happen with the offspring, it tends to go down after that. You understand what I'm saying? You have to introduce them deliberately. Don't hide them away. Don't, 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 don't. Don't do that. We make that mistake a lot. Christian parents do it all the time. They suffer, they swear, they believe God, they pray, they make sacrifices. Then they have God now blesses them as a result. They used to build a shield around their children so that they will never have to go through anything they went through. No, it's not true. You know, nobody found it easy among the descendants of Abraham. Isaac had contention. Famine came upon the land. He too denied his wife at the time, just like his father did. There's my sister. The same Abimelech, their generation is temptation to Abraham's generation. <laughs> So don't, don't just assume, no, please, children, parents, don't forget it. Christian parents, it's one of the things, oh God, I'll get back to my message. Christian parents have noticed. They have testimonies. Their children have, they have. And they are the, no, and they are the problem. They are the problem. They just believe that God saved them to make sure the children don't go through trials. That's not so. Be very careful. Donate these children to the Lord. Though. If you want them to suffer, let them do it. They won't die. They won't die. But it must not happen that you don't allow the, the anointing, that's the word I will use, 
the anointing of God to be amplified in their generation. It has to be amplified. What many of us do is just we push them out. They have no, they have no choice, no chance on this earth to serve the Lord. First opportunity, go to where you don't have to sweat. Go to where you don't have to sweat. I look back now. I started preaching on campus. I became a preacher as a teenager. I was sitting in my teenage years when I would stand in front of a congregation like this and be preaching to my classmates, to my university mates. I was still a teenager. I had not hit the age of 20. I was counseling people. I was 18, I was 19. They thought I knew what I was saying. At that age, we were laying hands on people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Whether we were filled, I said, well, I can't even be, I'm not sure now. Our senior, they laid hands on us. If you don't fall down, they clear you, you fall down, whatever. <laughs> Remember one guy prayed for me one day. He, he, he don't pray tired. Now I stand like this. People are gathered around to catch me. Then he prayed, prayed, prayed. He said, release yourself. Release yourself now. <laughs> now I release myself. Pum! They don't catch me. Don't worry. It was not the anointing. It was not that I said I should release myself. I didn't know what else to do. Okay, everybody's falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go lay down there. Next day they say, okay, they are doing Holy Spirit again. I came out this time around. I, I came back. You don't know me. I've been looking for Holy Spirit for a very long time. <laughs> I came back. Came back. So one guy was now praying. This time I was like, like I, I almost told him, say, bros, don't waste your time. That guy prayed yesterday. He said, I should release myself. <laughs> Nothing happened. So that guy now, I forgot what started this discussion. I was very young. He said, I'm talking to you. If I tell you my age, you'll be shocked. I was like 15. Not up to 16. That I'm very sure of. Now I see the brother, and I said, this is all this way they talk. You know, I didn't speak pigeon like that. I was not a very good pigeon. I said, sir, I don't get it. He talked, at the point in time, he started getting angry because I had needed answers. He would talk, I would ask questions. Finally, he almost got angry with me. I like, bros, don't be angry. I just want to be clear. So after we had talked, and finally he said, we should pray. I never forgot one part of the prayer. He said, Lord, behold his confused mind. Because I was confused. And he knew it to be true. Ah. So there are preachers who they think it's I yesterday. You see what I'm telling you? I was not yet 16. At that, at that time, I don't answer like 50 altar calls. I, I answered the altar call until I lost count. They would say, ask me, are you born again? I say, I don't know. Was my classmate Joy Osazua? That was her name. That God used to deliver me. He asked me one day, Are you born again? I told her I wasn't sure. Why are you not sure? I told her my life story. Then she explained to me, if you know University of Benin, in how long it takes from, to walk from 500 lecture theater to the hostels. That was a walk. We walked together from fellowship down to the hostel complex where we now go our separate ways male hostel here, female hostel, stuff like that. In that short interval, she explained to me what it meant to be born again. And I said, okay, in that case, I think I am born again then. That was the last time I answered any altar call, say, come and give your life to Christ. I stopped it after that short walk with joy. I don't know why I want to deny my children any of this. That's where I'm going. Because of small prosperity. Abba. I won't trade it for anything in this world. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it for anything in this world. 
announcing because uh, they say, as to the waste time, uh, cash can be scarce. You know, so when I hear the kind of things people say to make decisions for children, I told my children the other day, I said, if you don't go to school, you'll still succeed in this life. That if you, if, look, all you need to just learn how to drive and be driving me around, I will educate you in four years. Well, what would you want to know that I won't tell you when it comes to your destiny? Bible school will finish inside my car. What are you saying? I've never gone to the four walls of a proper Bible school. Never in my life. Many of you wouldn't know that. Never did. Never did. I've never registered for anything. People show certificates. I don't have one. The only certificates I have in my life, let me tell you, bad certificates, I have that one. Waek gave me one. Then I went to university and I got a bachelor's in medicine, bachelor's of surgery. I have that one. And I went for NYC, they gave me one too. Then one day, they gave me another one, West African College of Physicians. These are all these certificates I have. The main thing I'm doing in life, no, 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 no subtitle. No subtitle. I don't have any. But I sat down with a guy who came for NYC with me, who had a bachelor's in theology from a Baptist theological seminary. Affiliated University of Ibadan. Then we finished talking. He wrote me a letter after NYC. He said, oh boy, you challenged me to read my Bible. He had never met anybody outside the theological circles that knew scripture the way I did. Ah, the guy said, I challenged him to read. We'll get to textual criticism. We'll be arguing. What was it? Not a book. The thing they read in school, I read it too. But, but I just I didn't take exam. He was surprised. The day he jumped out of, or up from his bed when I was talking, I read Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And I finished it with the word was tohu vabohu. He said, who told you that? I read it for him in Hebrew. I don't know. I, first person I heard say that was Derek Prince who wrote Bereshit. He just, no, just read it for us. You know, Bereshit, that's in the beginning. We heard it. Ah, as you learn now, now we learn now. The difference between they give you subtitles at the end, they didn't give me subtitles <laughs> at the end. Ah, no, because content. The practical side we did in school, we did counseling. We went room to room evangelism. We knocked door. Good afternoon, I'm Brother Banky. This is Sister Jennifer. We came to preach the word of God to you. Bam, they closed down your face. Next, <laughs> you go to the next room. <laughs> they, you knock door. Please come in, we sit down. Do you know you are a sinner? Do you know if you die, you'll go to hell? Do you know Jesus can come anytime? You need to give your life to Christ. What do I need to do? Bow your head. Say after me. It's at the back of Gideon's Bible. Lord Jesus, come into my life. So we came from Charismatic Fellowship. We meet so and so. We give it to you. I'm coming to follow you up. Next room. At the end of the day, we'll not gather in one circle. Where are the people you want to cry? You better have names because it means you are not praying. We did fasting and praying. Some of the things I think I don't do anymore. I know my reason why I don't do them anymore. I did them, I didn't see clearly. <laughs> when I read my scriptures, when I ate, I saw my Bible clearly. When they say don't eat, divine <laughs> how, how can I understand? Son of man, do you understand what you are reading? How can I? What I have not eaten? Uh, oh, you think I didn't do those things? I did. I did. They say we are breaking at six o'clock. Medicals, they will finish dissection at five. 
Those of you know what I'm talking about. Be standing on your feet for two, three hours. You now close the dissecting room at five o'clock. You have to break is six. So you walk with your hungry, limp body past the most tempting part of the universe, the Bucateria. You now walk down to the hostel and you go and lie down there. You are looking at the clock. Take this clock. Move now. What is problem? <laughs> when this is now... And it's five minutes to six. You are looking for your slippers. Because it takes five minutes to walk to the common room. Six o'clock. Dump you in front of you. Bring bread. Bring Sprite. Bring. <laughs> bread there. We did all of those things. They say you can be healed by faith. Malaria will fry your brain. You won't swallow one time. Malaria will almost kill you. You aren't taking that panadol. So when it happens, like you say, by the stripe of Jesus, I'm healed. By the stripe of Jesus, I am healed. By the stripe of, ah! I remember one day, one of my friends, he was in the room, they come and say, boy, come and rescue this guy, enter this room. He was, see, temperature like this. Now I say, give me that chloroquine. The boy swallow four tablets. <laughs> swallow the four tablets. My mind, I, mean, I don't feel carry dead, but just carry the four tablets. If he ain't walking, he ain't walking. <laughs> Would you practical? That's what I'm making to you. I don't have subtitles, <laughs> but trust me, we went to the Bible school. It was informal. We went. <laughs> we went to. We went. And one day they called us. I said, "You are now leaders." Anointed us. And one day I began to teach. I didn't even know. People just said, "What happened to Banky?" Ah, Banky has changed. I didn't know. I never felt anything follow me. But one day I came to Bible uh, fellowship. I, I finished teaching. I remember Mommy Bibi. Uh, oh, sorry, Mommy Ann. Many of you know Mommy Ann. And Pastor Corey's wife. That's best as Bibi. Right? Mommy B. Two of them queued up. What is it? They said they want to give me a hug. That today's fellowship was, was a blast. They'd never seen me like that before. Like, what was that? Then I was a final year student in the University of Benin. A friend of mine who travels was I brought up by the year he came back. He heard me preach. He said, what happened to Banky? I didn't even know anything happened. I did not know anything happened. But apparently during that period, all right, an anointing came. Shortly after that, I had left school. I came back to teach on camp. One of our senior brothers, those who used to lay hands on us those days, that we, ah, that bro, one day came to our room. He was not in school. He just came to hostel. Slept overnight. We were still sleeping. You know, you, you play really late now. Five o'clock, he woke us up. That you come and start praying. <laughs> and you're looking like, Ego, pray which prayer? Do you know when we slept? Well, you can't answer him. So he said, Oh, yeah. Chooks you, you lead praise worship. Father, we have come again. Holy Ghost, come and. Ah, ah. You're like, Which kind? Why this bro can't sleep this room today? But yeah, thank you. You lead prayer. You lead confession of the word. Then, when, he, when that prayer time came, I remember he grabbed the bunk like this. Hey, oh, ah, oh, ah. They now brought one long, when we finish all of this, now brought one long Bible sermon. I have never forget ambassadors for Christ. He began to teach us. And we're looking at him and say, bro, he sat down there. He went through line by line what it meant to be ambassadors for Christ. Everything. When we finish, he carried him. He came with his father's vehicle. 
carried himself, he left school. It was still early in the morning when he left. In the evening, he showed up again. <laughs> oh, my father. <laughs> Hi. He's left in our room again. Next morning, he was hurrying somewhere. Past five, he shook all the bunks in the hostel. Everybody, wake up, wake up, wake up. We woke up. He said, he's going. So, hey, call one of one brother like that. You take charge of, take charge of that. Do you understand that? He said, yes, sir. So, he entered the motor and left. So, <coughs> Mary now turned around to me. He said, he chooks, you will do this. Bank, you do this. Chooks, you know this. She <laughs> <laughs> just carried up. I cover him, but he said, you know this serious. He said, you know this is where I sleep. <laughs> oh, boy. I did not know such boldness was possible. Now, now me, I change gear too. Close my eyes, my man. See you later. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. <laughs> Listen, people of God, look, that's where we came from. That's where we came from. And I'm not, look, I won't exchange you for anything in this life. I'm not exchanging you for anything. I'm not, I'm not exchanging you for anything. I'm not. That's the background. Some of the things I not agree to these days, I said, we don't do them before, you know they work. People say, tight, you will prosper. Tight, they stole all my clothes. All the things you're saying. I said, let me hear it. <laughs> let me hear it. He said, rebook the devourer. Devourer never saw me until school, until you preach that gospel to me. What are people coming to tell me? They say, you see, Satan trying to deceive you. I said, no, scripture does not agree with you. Leave me. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. I remember when I read the book, they say, miracle of seed faith. Now I carry money, go give somebody to sow seed into his life. God said, I will show you pepper. Or more. Never see that kind of suffering in a long time. So I said, see, Dabi, so I know. I still remember the guy I gave the money to. I still chatted with him yesterday. He's a professor of surgery, one of these schools there. I won't tell you where. He just said, ah, Bangi, Hannah. He said, man, be like I say, he needs some money. Before he, can, he could finish talking, I, show, I showed him to his life. Let's pray. He said, go and reap it. Go and reap the money now. The kind of suffer, this guy suffer. I said, they say so now you will reap. God said, it doesn't work like that. Later on, when I, when I now confronted those who were teaching me those funny, funny things, they said, it's a seed. It takes a process of growth. Why didn't you say that at the beginning? <laughs> God just went back and leave all these things. Leave all these things. That's not the grace. I went back to the grace that I learned early. There's no one I showed up with this gospel of hyper grace. Sin is not sin because your inside is clean. Before we could blink our eyes, we saw the rubbish that was producing their lives. We dropped that doctrine fast. This is not the word of God. Don't come and confuse us. I beg, I've told you my life story. That's my biography. <laughs> That's my spiritual biography. The Lord is good. What was I trying to say? You know, I was trying to say, okay, I know where I went into that, okay? I was trying to say that, see, in each generation, all right, that God has to. The, the order of God is that whatever it is has to be reenacted. That's why I now went, I now took a tangent to tell believers to please allow the faith that they had with God and in God be passed on efficiently to their children. That's why I went into all of that, okay? What I was saying is that Adam could not have sold everything to the devil, all right? He couldn't have. He could sell his own life. Each generation would do their own thing. Abel will have the opportunity to obey God. 
um, Cain will have the opportunity. Each generation will have. Abraham had it. Isaac had it. And good enough, I think God wanted that. Three consecutive generations that will allow it in their lives. And God succeeded with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And again, there possibly were people that allowed it in one generation. The second generation, it ended. God couldn't carry it on. Because he needed the three generations. He needed three consecutive generations to carry that button on for him to be able to do what he's doing. And then again, small digression. See, this is your life, eh? God has a number of things that he must accomplish before you get into the hundredfold blessing. Many people get, assuming it's ten, they get to number eight, they, they, they wear out. They get to number nine, they wear out. Please, don't let it happen. Whatever trial, temptation God brings across your way, make it your duty in life to pass so you can enter into the hundredfold blessing. All right? There are stages in life. You served God dutifully well five years ago. It doesn't mean you are made. There's a new temptation, a new level of service that you must enter into to get into another flow. And you must continue going up, going higher and higher in your work with God. And Satan is always trying to pull you back. Go and check it. The people, see, there were four groups. Number one, those who didn't hear, who on, on, uh, didn't understand anything. Quickly, birds of the air, ate the word and born no fruit. Okay? Then the next group, what happened to that one? They did not have depth of earth. Small temptation like this. Small persecution. They with that. They did not have depth of earth. But notice at this, this next level. This next level, you know what happened to them? Did they understand? Yes. Did they have depth of earth? Yes. Then shortly before they were going to enter into the fruit of the spirit for their lives, God's eternal plan for them to be fulfilled, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the loss of other things came in, choked the word, and it bore no fruit. They had the same effect, even though they suffered for Jesus Christ, even though they had depth of earth, but the same effect like those who never believed. I hope you're getting my point. Later on, we'll talk about as we're going on. You have to uproot all the tongues. See, all this one of using the gospel to prosper. Better throw it away. You have to say to God, even, even if I don't prosper, I will serve you. To whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. Just stick on to that. Too. So you have been sowing, sowing. It's not producing. Say, leave it. I don't, even, I don't even want to produce anything again. I want to die with Jesus in poverty. Because if we don't cure the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the loss of other things, they will choke the world. Somebody who suffered for Jesus, went through school, you know, like I've been describing, a lot of things you go through, the family will, den- will deny them. You know, excommunicate them because of their faith for Jesus Christ. Yet they won't make it. Why? Because the last card, and that's what the church is promoting the nonsense now. As if how can you serve God and have nothing to show for it? Listen, John served God. He has something to show for it. His head was removed from his shoulders. It's not a sign that he has served God. That everything, everything down with honky dory around, everything is down sweet, 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 sweet. No. You can serve God and have no place to lay your head. I'm never complaining. That's something you have to bear in mind. You don't complain. You never complain. You never complain. It's a privilege to serve. Many of the things we are preaching this is why people are failing. And God is finding it very hard to get three generations in, in, in sequence to release certain things into the earth. Blesses them small. They say, the way I suffer, my children will not suffer. Let them, let them look, you will suffer, and your grandchildren will suffer too. Get used to it. By the time of your grandchildren, walking on water will be normal with you people. The Lord is good. Okay, so like we said, 
So what Adam did, I was saying that why do we have to pray? It's simply because the heavens are the heavens of the Lord and the earth he has given to the sons of men. Which means everywhere God gives to me, he cannot come in there to do any good except I authorize him. Why? He gave it to me. He's like, let us just take a simple example. You pack your money, you go to an agent's house, I need to rent a building, takes it to one beautiful house. You pay for two years. You know, the landlord of that house or that agent cannot enter that house without knocking and hearing you say, come in. Does he own the house? I mean, he still owns the house, right? So the earth is still the Lord's. But why won't he say, come in? Because by agreement, the house is yours for a period. I mean, being that kind of situation, of course, I don't need to tell you stories, you know. Say one particular house transfer closed those days. One day the landlord said he needed money, sold it from under our feet. The young man who came from South Africa who bought it said we should pack out. I told him to walk out of my house. I walked him out. Get out. They, they got my point. They came to talk at night. They told me, I don't know. It's nine o'clock. Everybody come and start going. He had bought the house. He had the deeds to the house, but I told him to get out. He said, when my, when my rent expires, come back. Until that time, I don't want to see any all of you near this gate. That's when they realized that this guy is not joking. They realized they couldn't intimidate me because you have money. I paid rent for two years. My two years is not over. He sold the house. You bought the house with the liabilities. <laughs> I remember that day we talk. We talk, go here. We tried to talk. My friend, who's the uncle, owned the house before the who was on that brought me in. He lived down the road. He came. 9 p.m. I remember they arrived that night. They just finished paying for the house. Now trying to negotiate because when I was living upstairs. My friend was just moving in downstairs. Another guy. Now trying to negotiate. How we will move out? I said, you have to understand something. I paid two years' rent. I am not moving. So if you want me to move, you will negotiate with me. And these are my terms. I gave them my terms. One of them said, uh, are you now the landlord? I told everybody, get up. Yeah, leave my house. Yeah, I told them, I said, no, I'm tired. I said, look at the time. I want to sleep. Oh, yeah, everybody. That's what I do. I said, everybody, please, 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 please. It's night. Come and leave. The guy who just paid for the house, I walked him out of my house. When I finished like that, they realized, man, this guy is a troublemaker. I said, what kind of thing is this one? He didn't tell you two people rented the house for two years. I stayed eight months. He sold the house. Yeah, that's his problem. Next day, the agent come. Come meet my friend. Say, there's no need to go to court. <laughs> I said, we didn't, we didn't think there was need before. He said, okay, okay, what are you now saying? What are you saying? Uh-huh, now you're talking like human beings. Not because, you know, put this, once they think they have money, they can just do anything they like. I said, hey, boy, the guy told me, say, in South Africa, hmm. I said, oh, but this is Nigeria. Leave this thing. This is Nigeria. This is not South Africa. You use talks there. We will know what to use here. Just to give you gist. Now one day I reach out. People say they used to drive out of their homes. Have you heard that thing before? I saw a, a massive hive of bees in my compound. There was one mango tree there. They just came. Bees. In the morning, they were not there. I came back in the evening. See bees. They said, now the new landlord won't take and drive us come out. I said, eh, okay, I'm coming. I went into my house. They didn't know that I had been taught something when I was young, how to take care of bees. And that's my father or my friend, Bobo Leche, that taught me. I can't remember. So I went and wore big trousers, big shirt, tie scarf, covered my hair, wear goggles, covered everything. Then took one long stick, wrapped the top with rag, pour kerosene on it. Then I lit the rag. So I, while the bees were doing home, I just went there, put fire under them, roasted all of them. Oh, look at this fit mouth manager looking at me like, you did that? I did that. 
I roasted all the bees. I just went there. What could they do? Don't be bee, you be. You're not dog. You're just bees. I put fire. They, they roasted. You could smell the insect burning. The, I don't know where they were coming from. Someone told me that, that that's one trick for driving people out of home. That they go and do juju. To, eh, that's what they said. But you know the truth? Did you, you know I told for my body, did you know they walk? I, I killed the juju. I killed it well. Roasted all the bees. The one that survived flew. They ran into River Niger, I guess. The Lord is good. <laughs> why is I going to all of that? So while God has given you the earth, why he has given you the earth, why he has given you your life, each time he stands at the door and what? He knocks. What is prayer? Prayer is the way by which you open the door and say, Lord, come in. This child is my own because you gave him to me. Now I bring the child back to you and say, Lord, bless him. Keep him. Protect him in his going out and his coming. In. Lord, I am asking you, be good to him. Make him serve you. I circumcise him today for your own glory, for your own work. And that's what he expects. I give this child back to you the way you have given him to me. This business, you gave it to me. Lord, I give it back to you. Come in any time you like. You don't need to knock. Here are the keys. Every corner. Sir, now you are the boss. Anything you say, done. You understand? So he gets the executive office, the biggest one spiritually now. His word is fine now. That's what prayer does. Prayer is the way by which we take that which God has given us and we give it back to him. Is the way by which you take the sphere of authority that he has given to us. And we say to him, come and reign in that place. I hope you're getting my point. Prayer, you see, God wants to walk. So what God does is, okay, he's waiting. Just say, Lord, do it as you have promised. That's prayer. I will keep you in your goodness and your coming. It's a promise. And we'll talk about that later. All right, because the promises are the foundation for prayer. When you go to prayer, God, because God doesn't do what he doesn't want to do. He only does that which he wants to do. But which he requires your permission to do. Did you hear what I said? Let me go back again. God does not do what he does not want to do. He only that, does that which he wants to do. But which he requires your permission to do. So, so that you and God can be in agreement concerning what you authorize, authorize him to do in your life. Is why you study his promises. Is the reason why you study his promises. Is the reason why you study his promises. And when you have his promises, the Bible calls them his will. So John said, if we ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. That's the reason. Because this is what he wants to do. Don't ask him that which you know he doesn't like to do. It's not good. There are things that he might do if you ask him to do them, but he doesn't like to do them. Don't ask him to do some of those things. In that area, keep away from it. He said, this also I will allow the children of Israel to ask me to do for them. I will multiply them like a flock. That is, He said, this also, Ezekiel was speaking. You see, there are many things he has said he will do, he will do. At the end, he said, this also. So when he said this also, it struck me. I said, what do you mean this also? It means that this is in addition to the other things I've been saying. Which means they have to ask me to do all the other things also. 
That's why I said this also. So as he's expressing his promises, his will, that's what it is to you. These are the things you bring to prayer. So without promises, hope cannot be generated. Without the knowledge of what he said he wants to do, you don't know what you are asking, which is in accordance with his will. And many times I hear people pray, they are not praying in accordance with the will of God. For example, Jesus will tell you, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? You feed him. Then you wake up in the morning and decide that, all my neighbors, I don't want me to eat. God, let them go hungry and die. Hey, come on. That's not what, what Christians do. That's not what Christians do. If you tell that God, let them die, they will die. But he said, no, don't pray like that. That's how Gentiles pray. Because you must understand, there are rules. There are spiritual rules that work. And that's how, small digression, that's how all these uh, babalawos and all these DBS, that's how they work. They know the rules of the spirit. They know the rules. Now, if somebody hurts you, you have authority or you have the right to come before the judge of the universe and tell God to hurt him back. So when the, when the person comes, and they do it till now, what do you want? This man has done bad to me. I want his business to collapse. Basis upon that, so you see them, they offer sacrifices. Those things actually work. They work because God operates in different realms. He operates as a father, he operates as a judge. Alright? So, they ask those things, and the man's business actually begins to collapse. Trouble comes into his home because you have the right to do it. But Jesus said, don't do it. Jesus said, don't, don't do it. He's your enemy, yeah? Have mercy on him. Is his business right? If he needs customers, send to him. Don't worry. The reason why the Lord said don't do it is because he said, he that shows mercy will obtain mercy. So everything you do is a seed. He knows what he's doing. And he doesn't want you to stand. That's why he said, don't judge. And that's what he means. Judge, don't judge does not mean don't critically appraise the situation and say, this is good, this is bad. Some say, well, who are you to judge? I see near you. Who are, that's who I am to judge. If you leave your house dressed like a like harlot, I will tell you. This is not how responsible girls dress. Who am I to judge? I'm your senior, that's why. <laughs> do you follow my point? Well, that's not what the Bible wants. Do not judge. That's the kind of thing I'm saying. Don't say, for this thing you have done, die. Don't pass that judgment. That's what Jesus said, don't do. Your job should be to sow mercy in life. I hope you get my point. The reason is because if you continue praying like that, like when people say, oh, my name is die, 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 the die rate in that congregation will be higher than usual. Because they are also somebody else's enemy. And that person will go to God and shout, my enemy die, die. You have no appeal to mercy. Because he that shows mercy is the one that will do what? Obtain mercy. I hope you're getting my point here. So that's what we're talking about, the will of God. All right? So what is prayer really? Prayer is the way by which we authorize God to come into this sphere that he gave to us. That's why I gave that house thing as an example. You rented a house from a landlord. As soon as he gives you the key, you sign the papers. He can't cross that door without knocking. And if you say to him, you can't come in, he can't come in. And if he does come in, he's trespassing. Because it's now your private space. And God doesn't like to trespass. So with prayer, you are saying to him, Whatever you need to do in my life, do it. You are not trespassing. I hope you're getting my point. Because life is complicated. And that's the reason why men ought always to pray. Let me add this one to it as I begin to round off for today. 
The truth is that the power of God is so incredibly available, we don't use much of it because we don't pray enough. We complain a lot, we don't pray enough. We complain a lot, we don't pray enough. Prayer is a deliberate invocation of God's power into a situation. You see what I said? It is a deliberate invoking of the power of God into a situation. There's this, in fact, there are some scriptures I wanted to read. Maybe we just read. Okay, I read one, right? That's Luke chapter 18. Let's read another one quickly. Second Chronicles chapter 14. One of the victories of Asa. Second Chronicles chapter 14. Let me see where we'll start reading that from. There's a particular verse I just want to read. Um, the Bible says that Asa did good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. For he removed the foreign altars and high places, tore down the secret altars, cut down the Asherim, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. Now, these are the things that he did. Now, if you read down to verse 9, now Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them, that is Asa's people, with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And they came to Maresha. So Asa went out to meet him. Now, before this, if you go back, you see Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah and a little less from Benjamin. This man came with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. So Asa went out in verse 10 to meet him, and they drew up in battle formation in the valley of Zephatha at Maresha. Then Asa called to the Lord. Now, that's where I'm going. Verse 11. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord there is no one besides you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord, our God, for we trust in you, and your name have come against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Let not, now see, he asking him, let not man prevail against you, that is, in our lives. So you see verse 12. So the Lord, now because of that prayer, that's the meaning of the word so. For this reason, the Lord routed the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gera, and so many Ethiopians fell that could not recover, for they were shattered before the Lord and before his army, and they carried away very much plunder. Now I'm going to stop reading here. You can see what happened. That this is what prayer is. It's a simple thing. Like I said earlier, it doesn't mean that the man says, we are not going to fight. I hope you're getting my point. They say, it's time to do battle. He said, good. But this battle, I need help. I have less than 600,000 people. Maybe they can't fight as well as your own people. You have a million experience, chariots, and all of that. So there's no problem. I think if you can get 5 million more, it will be good. And my 5 million is from heaven. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. And that's what happened. Of course, you know, God doesn't need to really count five million. One of his, soul, uh, his angels will take care of 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. So if God just brings uh, like 20 angels, these Ethiopians are all dead. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. We don't know the exact number. But what we are bringing out is that Asa just knelt down and said to God, do this for us. And by simply asking, the Lord did it. So let me summarize it. What is prayer? Prayer is simply talking to God, invoking his power into a situation. 
is when you offer your communication to the God of heaven, to our heavenly father, to the judge of the universe, you have to be talking to him. That is what prayer is. So why will you pray constantly? Because remember the one Jesus said, he said, that widow came, say, avenge me of my adversary. What does that tell you? There's nowhere else I will get vengeance from. There's nowhere, in fact, what he said literally is, give me legal protection against this man. Now, the reason why he used the word widow is that nobody else will help her. There was no husband to go and fight and stand up for her against that man. The man was probably a powerful man. So that was why she kept on coming to this judge. And God is saying, don't worry about the problems of life. Just go to the judge of the universe. He said, if a reluctant judge will do what this man did, how much more would the father answer quickly? Because he's not reluctant. That if he appears reluctant, it's because there is no faith in the heart of those who are coming to him. And we're going to talk about that. Faith is very important. What is faith? It means you just understand that there is no help but in God. And the help that is in him is real. I hope you're getting my point. That is, there's no help but in God. And the help that is in him is real. It is real. Somebody tell you that there's so much trouble in this neighborhood. They break into homes. Get on your knees and pray. Lord, protect my home. Oh, when you travel on this road, there's a high risk of being kidnapped. You get on your knees and pray. Lord, I need to travel. Protect me. Then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. According to your word. You no, know, just finished talking about um, hiding. The Lord is our refuge. That's what we're talking about. The way you enter into that refuge place is through prayer. It's how you invoke the power of God into you. That's what prayer is. It's not just a mindless agitation because you're a Christian. It's, it's a deliberate thing. Like I said, talking about healing. Let me end with that. You know, Jesus is a healer. I hope you're getting my point. You can book an appointment with him. You wouldn't mind. Say, Lord, please, can I see you this night after everybody has gone to sleep? Sometimes we do this and they call it faith extension. Just to extend your faith. Like one woman that my wife told me the story about. Alright? The woman told my wife the story herself. It happened to her. So it's not something that happened somewhere. Somebody you don't know. She knows the woman well. The woman said she paid a man to do some work for her. Manual labor. Literally, she also was a widow. And the man took the money and did nothing. And she did everything to catch this man. Come and do my work. The man did not agree. So you know what she did? So she woke up one day at 12 midnight, dragged a big chair and put it in one corner and said, Lord, please, can you sit here? She did like if she came to court to report a matter before the judge. Then she stood in one corner and called the man. Of course, the man was not there physically. And said, let's assume his name is Mr. Eh? Ajane Koko, thank you. <laughs> but do you know the name of Ajane Koko? <laughs> So he said, please, Mr. Jalikoku, please stand here. And he told the Lord, please, avenge me of my adversary. Now, why I'm telling her story is that that faith extension thing, she literally put a chair down and said, Lord, please, can you sit here? And she stood before the chair and said, Lord, please, I need you to help me. But as she woke up next morning, the man had finished the job. She prayed this prayer at midnight. She was driving at around 8 o'clock in the morning. The man was supposed to clear a property for her. She looked. The property was almost completely cleared at 8 o'clock. When did he get there? So she stopped to approach him and said, Mr. Jalebo, the man ran. <laughs> and said, please don't come near me. You know what happened? The Lord literally 
sent an angel to his house. The angel choked him. The angel said, you think she doesn't have people here? I will kill you today. He can't beg. Say, please, I will do it. So by four, he had left his house. He had walked for hours when normal people began to wake up. She got there. The work was almost completely done. She gave this testimony herself. See, all this one you go, Baba is not necessary. That's just spending money. If you know where to go. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's what I mean by faith extension. Sometimes you just tell the Lord, you know, you've been to clinic before, haven't you? Yeah, just, just put one small chair there and there. You can even give God a small stethoscope. Use this one. It's not for him, it's for you. But you don't have a stethoscope, there's no problem. Just sit down there. Wear a green overall, like a patient. And sit down. Good morning, sir. Dear Lord, I came to see you. I have not been feeling well for days. Describe everything as if a doctor is listening. I reason like a doctor, so pardon me. Tell him when it started, how long it has been. How does his stomach, how does his stomach pain go? Does it shrink you like this or blow you like this? <laughs> Describe everything. And at the end of the day, go and lie down. Say, Lord, maybe you want to touch it. Exactly here. Uh-huh. Here. Here, exactly. If you press it here like this, it pains me. And if you say, Lord, you are the great physician. According to your word that says, Himself took my infirmities and my diseases, and by His stripes we have been healed. I am therefore asking, upon that promise, I ask you to touch this body and make it totally well. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And spend the rest of the time giving thanks and go and sleep. People of God, I found out, even when Jesus said, healing belongs to the children, what shall I give to you, the dog? Yet, the woman made a statement, and Jesus said, great is thy faith. What am I saying? There's a way you provoke faith in your heart. Hmm? I'm sorry to say that God cannot say no. I, I, let me add this one to it as I close. I, I hope you know there's no disease you can't cure. There's none. His surgery is accurate. He can microscopically find every cancer cell hidden in every part. Suck them out and flush them down the toilet. It saddens me that I think the world, every time, amplifies faith in every other thing apart from in God for us. And we follow them. I'm not saying we just use Uboju all the time. But I'm saying we can build up this faith. We can build up this faith. The way people talk about check up, check up, something I just look and say, is this not unbelief we are prospering, that is, we are causing to prosper? Who checked Jacob? His, his camels, have I mean. you? Now i telling you, like, see, those days they lived in the open. Those days they used to eat natural. Those days, as if everybody around them were living long. We were dying anyhow, outside that covenant. Long life was not that usual. That was why, what's his name? Pharaoh saw Jacob and his jaw dropped. There's a force of life available in Christ Jesus which we can tap into by faith and it will heal every disease. And like I say all the time, please stop giving excuses to Satan to afflict you. What's the problem? You know, I'm getting old. Oh my, I saw him the other day. I went to see him about something. You know somebody, please remind me, you know I forget a lot these days. So I was, and he's a senior doctor, he's a professor, quite a senior person in the university. 
So when he finished, I said, Oga, please don't give your age as an excuse. I told him straight. It's a reverend gentleman on top of everything. I said, sir, don't give your age as an excuse at all. I said, because there's nothing that says as you grow older, you start forgetting. I said, you know the issue? He said, what? Too many things to do. He said, it is true. He said, one day, somebody said, I should be writing it down. I said, I told the person, the ones I can remember, have I done them? <laughs> I don't know what I remember. That he has so many things to do. They were telling him how to remember them. He said, I don't want to remember all of them. The ones I can remember, I don't have enough time to do them. I said, that's why you forget. Let nobody come and lie to you. Say, you know you are old now. When I entered his office, the number of his colleagues I saw there, who all came to solve one problem or the other, and he was on the phone talking to another person, and I came to discuss something with him too. Why won't he forget? If he's you, look, the only person I will not forget is God. Only God can, ah, that's why he's God. 700,000 of us are talking to him on the same matter at the same time, and he's hearing everybody. He has to be God. Because even a normal server, it will crash. You load that kind of server. Even with Google.com, put enough requests on Google.com, it will freeze. You go overheat. You go here, boom, something don't blow. <laughs> the Lord is good. Oh, let's give a lot of things. Let's leave it here. I hope we learned something today. We'll continue from that. Like I said, we are going pr- prayer basics. Prayer basics. Let's know what prayer is. What is prayer? We just say, Father, come into this situation. It's yielding our authority to the Lord. That's what prayer is. Say, Lord, thank you. We need to pray with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, thank you because I can I can yield my authority and you will answer and you will come in. Thank you. Even Governor Wiki said it. He said, call on the creator whether he won't show himself. He said it. He said, all these gods you will put inside white places. He said, I will flog them, destroy their shrines. They can't do anything. He said, but call on the creator. People of God, thank him that you can call on him. Thank him. Thank him this night. He said, Lord, thank you because I can call.